This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group, with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall. Kent Online News. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online Podcast. Nicola Everett. Hello, hope you're okay on Thursday, May the 26th. Thanks ever so much for downloading today's podcast. Firefighters have been tackling two large fires in Kent today. One broke out in a building next to the popular fish market at Whitstable Harbour at around half one this afternoon. Our reporter Lydia Chandler-Hicks has been at the scene. It is currently unclear exactly what the building houses, but it is a large timber building that is believed to have joined the Whitstable fish market and the Crab and Winkle restaurant. At the moment there are several fire engines at the scene. You may well be able to hear them working behind me. I'm standing about a hundred foot from the huge blaze and I can feel the heat of it on me. Firefighters are using jets of water to try and put out the flames but it doesn't seem to be making much difference. The wind is propelling the smoke high into the sky and the flames and the fire are continuing to burn fiercely. Well, you can see very dramatic pictures and video by heading to the story at Kent Online. Moving to Gravesend now, where a fire in a former pub and then vape shop has also been causing disruption. It started at the property on Queen Street earlier this afternoon. Alex Langridge has been there for the podcast. The fire broke out about one o'clock this afternoon in the former New Inn pub and a former vape shop. The building is believed to have been empty for some time. Nine fire engines were in attendance and a height vehicle. We are firefighters still currently on the scene, although the flames have been extinguished. They are using the Heights vehicle to plummet water into the top of the roof that's been completely destroyed. They are also moving tiles from the top um, with what looks like a long pole um, and there is still smoke coming from the building. Witnesses who live down at the bottom of Queen Street, Mandy Lovebridge and partner Nigel Matten, were first alerted to the fire by smelling huge amounts of smoke. They came out of their flat to be, um, but could not see because of the amount of smoke that they saw billowing from the top of the building. It has been described as a massive loss of history for the for Gravesend, with the building believed to be at least 200 years old. The roof has been completely destroyed and collapsed inwards and has also caused damage to adjoining businesses, including the roof of Penda Pharmacy and going over to the Universal Food Centre. Owner of the Universal Food Centre has said that they may have lost thousands of pounds of stock as it's not insured and they are not allowed in. They believe the electricity may have gone out, losing them to, lo- to lose fresh meat and frozen meat. They also worried about their fresh produce including fruit and vegetables but said their dry stock should hopefully be okay. The road has been closed off for a number of hours from just after Nuxley Toys with the junction of Edwin Street um, and all the way up to the bus barrier of the High Street. The adjoining roads into the scene of scene of the fire have also been closed off. You can also see drone footage from that one by heading to Kent Online. We'll continue to keep those stories updated and do listen to regular updates as well on our sister radio station KMFM. Next today and ahead of schools breaking up for half term, we're being warned there could be major disruption on Kent's roads as people look to get away. Thousands will be heading to Europe for the school holidays, which also includes the long bank holiday weekend. Now, added to that, coach loads of Liverpool fans are due to be travelling to Paris for the Champions League final on Saturday, and it's feared this could all lead to very long delays at the border. Well, Toby Howe, who's from 
from the Kemp Resilience Forum has been telling the podcast what they're predicting. As the half term is only one week, what we're finding is, yes, all the schools, etc., break up at the same time this time. So it's one mass rush, whereas previously, such as Easter, schools broke up at different times. So we had a slight breakdown of that rush. So what we're expecting Thursday, Friday, Saturday is a lot of tourists heading out of the country across the short straits using Dover and Eurotunnel. And that this time includes a lot of coaches. At Easter, we didn't have coaches. So the coaches is one of the big concerns because, of course, everybody on those coaches then needs to be checked. And while a coach is being checked, that delays the rest of the traffic going through. So we are expecting a big rush, as I say, in particular Thursday, but mainly Friday and Saturday, at both the Port of Dover and Eurotunnel. There is also then a slight sort of blip as well, nothing like as busy. Um, probably Thursday, Wednesday into Thursday next week. So for the actual long bank holiday weekend. So it's four days in effect. So people are also booking to go away for the Thursday and Friday next week. But it's really the the peak um, because, as you also mentioned, we've got the Champions League final in Paris on Saturday night. So there are multiple coaches coming down from Liverpool in particular um, that will also be crossing the channel as well. So this weekend is our real worry. The number of coaches, the number of tourists that have already booked across, that then has a negative impact on freight. So um, we will see TAP down at Dover and Brock being active pretty much constantly, I would guess, from sort of Thursday throughout. And that'll mean, yes, that we'll have Brock active with control for both Eurotunnel and Dover. What that means is we'll hold both sets of freight um, within that. And when we have the Dover freight held, that also then means that Brenly traffic management also comes into play. Check all of the social media, allow that extra time, um, make sure you've got all the correct paperwork, make sure you know what the regulations are with regard because there are still COVID checks, make sure your passports allow that extra time. So France, I think they still want six months. Um, you hear of tales of people turning up and they haven't got the right time left on their passports. So simple things, but people do need to check. The intention is to keep traffic flowing to the port of Dover. So what we found after the initial um, blip, so to speak, at Dover back in April was that we've got plans in place to make sure that we keep that traffic flowing through Dover so that it does minimise the impact. But sadly, there will be a lot of people also coming to Dover. There will be some delays, but we will do everything to mitigate that impact on the businesses of Dover. We'll keep things under review, but currently we are quite comfortable that at the end of half term with the additional ferries in place, etc., etc., um, we are currently planning with National Highways um, that Brock should be able to be removed. But people must remember that National Highways are still carrying out works on the M20. So barriers will still be in place um, along part of the London bound carriageway while National Highways continue those works, even when the, the um, Brock 
configuration coast boundaries removed. We had already been warned that Operation Brock would remain in place on the M20 until after the Jubilee bank holiday weekend. Don't forget you can get regular travel updates by listening to our sister radio station KMFM. You can also follow our travel blog at Kent Online and we'll make sure you know about any breaking travel news via our socials. However, there is some better travel news because almost 1,000 miles of roadworks are set to be lifted over the long Jubilee Bank holiday weekend. Highways bosses say the majority will be removed from major roads and motorways from next Wednesday. We are, however, being urged to check our vehicles to make sure that they're safe to travel. And at Kent Online today, you can take a look inside the Ashford International Truck Stop, which is actually Europe's largest lorry park. The site in Sevington has 660 parking spaces, a gym, restaurant and bar. It was upgraded, you might remember, back in December as part of a £34 million investment to improve facilities for drivers, many of whom have to stop there on their way to and from Europe. Kent Online News. Other top stories today, and thousands of you have been reading about this, 8 million low-income households are getting a one-off payment of £650 to help with the rise in the cost of living. The Chancellor has been detailing measures in the House of Commons to support the most vulnerable. Here's what Rishi Sunak had to say. DWP will make the payment in two lump sums, the first from July, the second in autumn, with payments from HMRC for those on tax credits following shortly after. There is no need for people to fill out complicated forms or bureaucracy. We will send the payment straight to their bank accounts. Our policy will benefit over 8 million households in receipt of means-tested benefits from July. Uprating in that time frame could only be done for those on universal credit. And our policy will provide a larger average payment this year of £650, whereas uprating the same benefits by 9% would be worth only on average £530. Well, if you've listened to the podcast over recent months, we've spoken quite a lot about the whole cost of living crisis. You can let us know today what you think about the announcement. Are the measures enough? What else could be done? And will it help you? You can read the story in full, find out what you'll be entitled to, and let us know what you think at Kent Online. Now, what's the parking like where you live in Kent? We're asking that today because people in a part of Dover aren't happy about plans to build 45 flats that's with just 12 parking spaces. Neighbours of the site on Malvern Road reckon the development could eventually be home to residents with up to 88 cars between them and nowhere to put them. However, the developers say the building will be so close to the town centre and other transport links, buyers would have little need for cars. We're asking in a poll within the story how many parking spaces you think should be allocated per flat. We've got the options of none, one, two or more. So far, 50% of you who voted reckon two spaces would be ideal. We'd still like to know what you think. Staying with building news and concerns have been raised about flooding at a new housing development near Maidstone. At Kent Online, you can see a video of water pouring through the site off Church Road in Autumn during thunderstorms earlier this week. More than 400 homes are being built there, but neighbours are worried about disruption to the natural drainage of the land. Bellway Homes say they're looking into the matter. 
Elsewhere, a cement works near Gravesend has been demolished to make way for more than 500 new homes. Developers can now start laying the foundations for Harbour Village in Northfleet. It includes a mix of houses and flats as well as a community centre, sports pitch and two parks. And finally, a former nightclub in Medway could be turned into housing. Crystals in Chatham closed back in 2013 and now developers want to build two blocks of flats on the empty site. They would include 72 apartments in all, 38 parking spaces and electric vehicle charging points would be included there. The plans are going to be considered by the council in August. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with car dealerships in Canterbury and Maidstone. Really sad news today. It's emerged a woman who drowned at the Kent coast was trying to save her family. Denise Scarborough's granddaughter slipped on some steps and fell into the sea at Dimchurch last August. The 60-year-old jumped in along with other members of the family, but an inquest has heard how she died after getting into difficulty herself. A coroner's described it as a tragic situation and recorded the death as misadventure. At Kent Online today, you can see a CCTV image of a man police are looking for following a suspected arson attack at a pub in Medway. A blaze broke out at the Tiger Moth in Chatham after two glass bottles containing fuel were reportedly thrown while customers were still inside. A 23-year-old who'd been arrested is out on bail. Now, friends of a Kent teenager who was murdered while walking to meet a friend have paid tribute at the opening of a new centre named in her memory. 16-year-old Claire Tiltman was attacked in an alleyway in Greenhithe back in 19. 19- the Eco Building in Stone will be used by those doing their Duke of Edinburgh Award, something Claire was doing when she was killed. Her friend Emma Edwards says it's a fantastic facility and has been speaking to our reporter, Sean Delaney. Really good to be here today, um, just kind of representing Claire and some of her friends that we've been here. Um, seeing this centre, it's an absolutely amazing centre, um, and knowing that there's going to be a place that's going to have... Uh, Lots of young people, uh, lots of laughter and lots of fun. Um, and it's going to be associated with our memory, something like really positive for local people to do is, is just a really great thing to see. Yeah, and no, Claire obviously was, was, part, was, was doing a Duke of Edinburgh and the scouting things and having those activities in there as well. What does it mean to have those sort of things that are linked and celebrating her legacy when obviously, as you said, mentioning the positive things in her memory? Yeah, absolutely. So um, obviously it's... it's there's a lot of pain associated and, and linked back to how Claire left us, but um, seeing somewhere like this that's going to have young people, it's going to have people doing their Duke of Edinburgh that will come here, um, which is what Claire was doing when she when she left us. Um, so seeing the difference that something like this is going to make to young people that live in the area is really amazing, and uh, I hope that they will have lots of fun and uh, maybe be a bit mischievous, exactly like Claire used to be. A stolen car has crashed into another vehicle during a police chase in a Kent village. The silver SUV failed to stop for officers in Stablehurst yesterday and was followed to Horsman Den where the collision happened. The people inside tried to run away but were caught with help from a police helicopter. Two men and a teenage boy have been arrested. Police are warning people in Aylesford to lock their doors and windows at night over fears about thieves breaking in to steal car keys. Three men were reportedly seen walking up people's driveways on Friday. 
Friday, with the car being stolen after the keys were taken from someone's home. Kent Online reports. The government has refused to say how much it's spending on storing small boats that have been confiscated from people who've used them to cross the channel to Kent. Almost 10,000 people have made that dangerous journey already this year, many of them transported by criminal gangs. Well, the Home Office says revealing the cost is not in the public interest, despite a request from the Kent Online podcast. They also won't say where the vessels are being stored. Meantime, the average number of asylum seekers on board each boat crossing the channel has almost doubled in the space of a year. According to a Home Office report, the figure for the first three months of this year is 32, compared with 18 at the same period last year. Brewdog has confirmed it's opening its first bar in Kent at the new Riverside Complex in Canterbury. £115 million is being spent on the development in the Kingsmead part of the city. The company have put in a bid to serve alcohol from 10 in the morning until midnight on Sunday to Thursday and until 1am on Fridays and Saturdays. A new 145-mile cycling route is being launched in Kent today. It starts and ends in the village of Wye near Ashford with the people behind it saying it's the perfect introduction to cycling tourism. The route takes in the likes of Tenterden, New Romney, Dover, Thanet and Canterbury. I've been chatting to Sophie Gordon, who's from Charity Cycling UK. There are a lot of highlights. I mean, I didn't really know Kent at all before I went and rode it. Um, so I think just the, the variety and all the kind of interesting quirks and character that Kent has, you know, all these kind of little towns that you go through and then kind of places that are just peculiar like Dungeness where you have this gorgeous nature reserve full of rare species right next to a decommissioned power station and a little miniature railway and it's all these things that just have a kind of very unique Britishness to them I think which we really like to celebrate especially during the Jubilee year which is when we're launching it. Absolutely we are very unique here that is for sure. Um, Some people may hear about the, the length of this cycle and think ah I haven't maybe ridden a bike for a very long time or I've never done a, a journey that long um what sort of would your advice be to them about doing it in stages maybe I mean is it the sort of thing that you you can do you know over I don't know several visits perhaps yeah absolutely I mean the beauty of this route is it is quite accessible if you haven't done a multi-day trip before or if you want to just try kind of one day of it um because it's quite flat most of the terrain it's got well surfaced and low traffic um, and there are quite a lot of stations around the route, so you can just kind of go by train and do a little bit, or then go back and return another time. And then um, we've also been creating cycle hub locations along the route as part of the EU-funded experience project. So we've done shorter day loops um, from Wye and Canterbury and Dover as well. So if you just kind of want to come and spend the weekend in one place and explore the area, then that's another option. And would you say it was suitable for for any kind of cyclist, whether you're a beginner or perhaps you're part of a family group right through to those who are very experienced? Yeah, I reckon so. I think you kind of need to have a bit of experience of, you know, being comfortable riding a bike and and, and know how to sort of ride on roads and things like that. But yeah, anyone who's kind of quite, quite keen about cycling and thinking, oh, how can I try something new? How can I do a nice leisurely ride with lots of things to explore along the way and lots of lovely food and drink to try and interesting history and things? Then it's a great sort of new little challenge to take on. How important is cycling tourism and, and these sorts of routes to encourage people to visit different parts of the county or even the country that they might not have been to before? Well, cycle tourism is actually a pretty significant part of the tourism economy, especially for sort of smaller rural areas away from those kind of honeypot hotspot locations. 
Um, so overall, in terms of kind of the amount the cyclists spend, it contributes £550 million a year to the UK economy. Um, so we're really trying to kind of encourage people to spend money in, in the wider area rather than just places that already receive a lot of tourism. You probably should explain the name to us because it, it might be a word that maybe people haven't heard of before. Can you just give us the, the background to that, why it's called the Canty Way? Oh yeah, of course. Um, so the Canty Way actually takes its name from the Celtic Canty tribe, um, who I believe Julius Caesar referred to as the most civilised of tribes, interestingly. Um, and they actually gave the name to Canterbury and County of Kent. You can see a map of the route and some stunning pictures of what you might see if you travel around it at kentonline.co.uk. And it all coincides with Kent Day, which is also being celebrated today by tourism bosses from the county. They're up at the House of Commons to mark the county's heritage coast, recently featuring in Lonely Planet as one of the best places to visit. They're also going to be chatting about the challenges still faced by the visitor economy following the pandemic and what can be done to welcome more tourists. You can also also head to the website today to read some more fascinating facts you might not know about our wonderful county. And finally, ahead of next week's long weekend, the first of many Jubilee street parties has been taking place in Kent today. Hundreds of schoolchildren gathered in Gravesend. They were joined by residents who are celebrating their 70th birthdays, the length of time the Queen has been on the throne. I've been catching up with Shane Mockery-Cox, who's from Gravesham Council, who helped organise the gathering on the community square. It's as traditional as a street party as we can probably make it. Uh, we've, been, we've been known for doing these events uh, before, um, through the silver, the golden uh, jubilee as well, um, uh, and the diamond as well. We've we've had plenty of experience of doing this and bringing the community together. And Cohesion Plus are our excellent partners working with us to bring together our community in in this particular way. And um, we're we'll delighted we're delighted we're working with them again. What's the general sense of feeling in the area about the jubilee and and celebrating this wonderful achievement by Her Majesty? It's really bringing the community together. I think there's a real sense it is an achievement. We're probably not likely to see a platinum jubilee uh, again in our lifetimes, um, although obviously we hope for long health. But it's such a, it's such an achievement. It's the first time there's ever been a platinum jubilee. So I think everyone wants to be involved and get involved in this. And uh, I, I think it's a great celebration for local people to come together. We've seen lots of town centres with all of their bunting up at the moment, looking uh, very resplendent. What's it looking like in Gravesham? Can you just describe it for anyone who perhaps hasn't been in Gravesend recently? I, I'm speaking to you from the uh, from one of the uh, council meeting rooms, and I could see uh, Community Square decked out in in uh, purple platinum jubilee flags, and all of our all of the high street has uh, Union Jack flags and platinum flags. Um, it's really brightened the town up and has, has given us an excuse to brighten the town up even more than we usually do. I guess the timing for this couldn't be much better, could it? We're just coming out of two years of, of a lot of mm. restrictions, a lot of hard time. I know we're still facing hard times for an awful lot of people with the cost of living, but I think just to have a bit of something to celebrate, it seems like a perfect sort of time for that, doesn't it, at the moment? One of the things that the pandemic did uh, show is the very best of our communities uh, so one community bringing people together and it's occasions like this that really can bring communities together uh, in this way and, and, and showcase the very best of each other um, it's uh, that's sometimes missing in our society and our public discourse um, but it is occasions like this where that the the to and fro in the the arbuing disappears fades away and comes together for for a community event that really 
celebrates the very best of what it is to be British, to be English, to be a human being in this country. And I suppose for a lot of those children, um, for, they're coming from primary school, it will maybe be mm. one of their earliest memories, won't it, of celebrating this occasion. Um, do you know how much they've been learning in classrooms about the Queen and about her reign? Have you heard anything about what they've been up to? I do firsthand. I've got two young children in primary school, uh, an eight-year-old and a five-year-old, so I know they've been uh, learning lots. Uh, about this themselves uh, and have been peppering me with various questions uh, in regards to this. Luckily, I've been able to answer some of them, though I think I, I, even I need to brush up. Um, but they have really uh, taken this in their stride. And you're right, this is the first memory they're going to have of a jubilee. And my, my youngest child is five and my daughter um, has, doesn't really remember, I've got to say, anything pre-pandemic. Just due to the, So there has been a real loss of community a loss of memory in some ways they don't know they haven't got that, that long-term memory that we don't that doesn't really develop until sort of two three years old where they can go out and experience this sort of community events and for some some of the younger real younger ones this would be the first time an opportunity the first summer of them actually experiencing what it's like to experience normality whatever that looks like today kent online sports Cricket First and Kent have had a disappointing start to their T20 Blast campaign. Somerset managed to beat their score of 162 with five balls remaining in their opening game at Canterbury last night. The Spitfires are the defending champions and face Essex in their next match tomorrow. On to tennis and Kent's Emma Rajikanu says she's happy to be heading home after being knocked out of the French Open. The 19-year-old from Orpington lost in the second round as she recovers from a recent back injury. She's currently British number one and is now focusing on preparations for Wimbledon. I mean, it's going to be really nice to go home and, and play, you know, on home turf, on the grass. I think it is going to be a little bit strange in the beginning because I've played on clay court for so long now. I feel like it's been weeks that going onto a grass court, I'm probably going to be a bit shocked at first. That Grand Slam gets underway in London in around a month's time. Well, that's all from us for today. Thanks ever so much for listening. Don't forget, you can follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And you can also get access to the ad-free Kent Online premium site. To do that, you need to head to kentonline.co.uk forward slash subscribe. And whilst you're on the site today, you can read our latest Eat My Words review ahead of Fish and Chip Friday tomorrow. News you can trust. This is the Kent Online podcast. This podcast is sponsored by the FG Barnes Group with showrooms in Canterbury and Maidstone, offering a range of new and approved used cars, including MG, Seat and Vauxhall.